Chapter 19 of The Amethyst Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lisa Borden. The Amethyst Cross by Fergus Hume. Chapter 19. Mr. Hale Explains. When Lesbia returned to Rose Cottage after her unlucky visit to the court, she found that her father had never been near the place. Tim, who was alone in the house when she arrived, explained that Hale had gone to London within an hour of Lesbia's departure with Lady Charvington in the motor car. There was nothing in this to surprise the little Irishman, as Hale's comings and goings were always more or less abrupt. But he was amazed and startled when he heard what Lesbia had to tell the revelation being occasioned by Tim's distressed remark on the girl's pallor. "'Ah, now, miss, and what you been doing with your pretty self at all at all? Sure, the face you have is as white as a carp's.' Lesbia burst into tears. "'Oh, Tim, I sometimes wish that I was one, for I feel so very miserable. George will have nothing to do with me. Lady Charvington hates me, and my father, my father—' "'What of him?' asked Tim anxiously. "'Can't you guess?' asked Lesbia, drying her eyes and wondering how much or how little the man knew of Hale's rascalities. Tim's face remained passive, but he could not keep a certain amount of anxiety out of his eyes. "'Sure, the master isn't a good man,' he said in a hesitating manner. "'He traits you like a brute beast, miss.' "'It's worse than that,' sobbed Lesbia, breaking down again. The servant changed color and raised his hands in mute despair. When he did find his voice, it was to ask a leading question. And how much do you know, my dear? I know that my father is a thief. Ugh, oh, the shame of it, muttered Tim, but did not contradict. Lesbia noticed that he was less surprised than he should have been. You knew that. Mary be good to us all, said Tim sadly, but all I know a mighty lot I'd rather not know, my dear. But are you sure, miss? Lesbia sat up, dried her eyes, and detailed all that had happened. Tim listened in dismayed silence, with his sad eyes on her pale face, and she heard him grind his teeth when it came to the account of Lady Charvington's accusation. When she ended, he still kept silence. What do you think of it all, Tim? asked his mistress, anxious to hear what he had to say. It's black lies that woman spakes cried Tim vehemently. You never knew aft the man's wrongdoing. Did you, Tim? Oh, I knew a trifle, and guessed a mighty lot. Never ask me, miss, what I know, till his lordship. And sure, he's a good man, spakes the word. But I knew one thing, we dear heart, that the blackest clouds have the blissed sun behind them. There is no sun behind these clouds, said Lesbia, sighing. And there you're wrong, miss, said Tim briskly. Sure, when them clouds do let the blessed sun send out the light of him, you'll find peace and happiness and joy galore. Lave things to his lordship. The cross began the trouble, and the cross will end that same. Tim! Tim, what do you know about the cross? Ah, never ask me what I know, croaked Tim again. There's whales within whales, me dear, and me mouth's been sailed for many a year. But when his lordship spakes, I spake and then you'll be as happy as them who dwell in Tirnanog. What's that, Tim? The land of youth where you and Master Jarge should be. 
and will be, when the blessed saints in glory let you come into your own. After delivering himself of this agreeable prophecy, Tim shuffled away to prepare dinner. Lesbia was much astonished at the hints thus given, and also much perplexed. Tim seemed to know of the significance of the amethyst cross, of the rascality of her father, and also he appeared to know about Lord Charvington as a possible deus ex machina, who would make the crooked quite straight. Later in the evening, she questioned the little man persistently, but Tim, as wily as an otter, evaded a direct reply, only insisting that everything would come right in a most unexpected way. With this, Lesbia could scarcely have been content, but that her attention was taken away from the future to deal with the present. Urged by Tim, and now feeling more hopeful, as she recalled Charvington's promise to stand by her, Lesbia made a moderately good dinner. While Tim was washing up in the kitchen, she sat near the window of the tiny parlor, reading the first book that came to hand. But the pages did not interest her, and moreover, it soon grew too dark to read without lights. Lesbia did not call for these, as she liked the pensive twilight, and so dreamed of George and future happiness in the gloaming. There was just light enough to see across the room, so she started with surprise and indignation when she saw her father suddenly appear in the doorway. He looked much the same as usual, but then the light was not strong enough to permit her to see the shame which must certainly have appeared on his face. "'Why have you come here?' asked Lesbia, rising indignantly. "'I have assuredly a right to enter my own house,' retorted her father. "'It is not your house,' she replied boldly. "'Lord Charvington told me that it belonged to him "'and declared that you would come here no more.' "'Ah!' Hale lounged into the room "'and dropped with a sigh of fatigue into a chair. "'Charvington proposed more than he could perform. "'He always did. "'How did you come in? "'By the back door, which was open? "'I rode up from Cookham. "'You can't stop here.' said Lesbia, firmly. You can't prevent me, said her father, with a sneer. I can leave the house, and I will. Where will you go? To Mrs. Walker. She will protect me. I will throw myself on her mercy. But I refuse to remain under the same roof as you. Hale winced at the scorn in her tones. You seem to forget that you are speaking to your father, he said, in an icy manner. God help me, cried the girl, with a gesture of despair. I wish I could forget. You have brought shame upon me. Oh, rubbish, said Hale crossly. I received a letter from Charvington in London just before I came down to Cookham, which stated that if I restored the jewels, everything would be hushed up. And will you do so? I have to, said Hale grudgingly. It's an infernal nuisance after all my trouble, but Charvington says that he will set the police on my track if I don't act square. I shall return the jewels tomorrow, and then everything will be put right. There is no disgrace to you. Isn't there? said Lesbia with a bitter laugh. You appear to have forgotten that Bertha, the maid, heard my recognition of you and told her mistress. Lady Charvington accused me of being your accomplice, and but that our cousin made her hold her tongue and silence the maid, I should have been arrested as knowing your rogueries and sharing in them. Hale muttered an oath between his teeth. "'Upon my word, that's too bad,' he said half apologetically. "'The woman had no right to speak of you in that way, as you are as innocent as a babe. However, if Charvington has hushed that up also, there is no harm done.' "'Father!'
cried Lesbia, moving forward to confront him. Can you think that I will consent to live with you, now that I know of your wickedness? What do you know other than that I took Lady Charvington's jewels? asked her father, defiantly. I know that you stole Mr. Tate's jewels by his direction. Who dares to say that? demanded Hale, starting fiercely to his feet. Mr. Canning. Mr., sneered Hale savagely. Since when has he earned such respect? Mr. Canning is a gentleman and Captain Sargent's brother, said Lesbia in calm, easy tones. Now that she had come to close grips with her father, she felt singularly cool. Hale muttered a second oath. I knew that the shadow had betrayed us, he said ominously. Well, he shall pay for his treachery. His silly gratitude to you for nursing him has made him dishonorable to us. Dishonorable, cried Lesbia scornfully. Why not, scoffed her father. There is honor amongst thieves. And you are a thief. I am, said Hale shamelessly. I was driven to such courses because I wanted money. You may as well know the worst, for I... Oh, Lesbia threw up her hand, feeling sick at heart. Don't tell me any more. Leave this house and never see me again. Hale settled himself firmly in his chair. I will do nothing of the sort, he declared. This is my house, whatever Charvington may say. Here I am, and here I rest. There's a French soldier saying for you, he sneered. Oh, Lesbia sighed as she looked up. Will nothing make this man ashamed? Nothing. Hale put his legs up on another chair. Absolutely nothing. At this moment, there came a sharp ring of the front doorbell. Hale started to his feet with an ejaculation, and Lesbia could guess that his shameless face had turned white in the shadowy twilight. Apparently, he expected the police, as she gathered from his broken mutterings. But it is impossible, he breathed, clutching his hands. Charvington said that he would say nothing if the jewels were sent back. I shall send them tomorrow, and if there is a... Ah! The two listening in the half-dark room heard Tim shuffle along the narrow passage and open the door. A moment later, and Mrs. Walker's voice, cold and haughty, struck on their ears. Hale wiped his face and heaved a sigh of relief. Don't betray me to that woman, he whispered. I shall not, said Lesbia quietly. After all, bad as you are, I cannot forget that you are my father. Even as the last word dropped from her mouth, the door opened and Mrs. Walker was ushered into the room. Behind her came Tim, bearing high a lamp to light her way. The radiance revealed Lesbia white and shrinking and the defiant face of Walter Hale. The master, howly saints, muttered Tim, setting down the lamp. Then he addressed Lesbia quietly. Will I bring more lights, miss, have you please? No, thank you, Tim. This lamp will be enough. Shut the door. Without a single glance at his master, Tim departed and left the trio together. Mrs. Walker, standing just within the room, had said nothing. Only when the door was closed did she speak. I did not expect to find you here, Mr. Hale, she said with contempt and scarcely concealed surprise. And where should I be, save in my own house? he asked lightly. In jail, she snapped. And there you would be, had I my way. Hale raised his eyebrows. I do not understand, he remarked coolly. Yes, you do, and you will understand completely when I tell you that Lady Charvington came to see me today. 
Hale uttered an exclamation of rage and vexation. Yes, you may very well swear, for she told both George and myself about the robbery at the court. What do you say to that, you detected scoundrel? She asked sternly. Hush, he muttered gruffly. My daughter is present. I am glad she is. I want her to know what you are. I do know, faltered Lesbia weakly, and oh, she covered her face to sink in a passion of tears on the sofa. It is shameful, shameful. Mrs. Walker looked at Hale, still defiant and hard-faced. I would have spared you this for the girl's sake, she breathed, but she caught you red-handed, so there is nothing to conceal. With a stern look at him, she glided to the sofa and took the shrinking, fragile form of the unhappy girl in her strong arms. Lesbia, my love, she said tenderly, and the change in her voice was extraordinary. I have come to stand by you. That man is not fit to have charge of you. Come with me tonight to Medmenham. Oh, no, no, George. George knows all that you know, that I know. He was present when Lady Charvington came to tell us of what had taken place. And George despises me, wept Lesbia, burying her face in Mrs. Walker's bosom. Don't be ridiculous, child. Don't be foolish. How can he despise you when you are innocent and he loves you? Loves me? Lesbia looked up, startled. But he refused to renew our engagement, although I abased myself to the dust to regain him. I think George will be able to explain why he acted in that way, she whispered. In a few minutes, you will meet George under the chestnut tree where he proposed to you. It's an idea of his that he should explain himself there and there renew the engagement. We both arranged to come here tonight and were to drive over, but at the last moment, George took to his boat and is now rowing down the river to meet you under the trysting tree. I drove over. Oh, Lesbia sat up, smiles breaking through her tears. This was a gleam of sunshine indeed. George is coming back. He will hold you in his arms very shortly, said Mrs. Walker, her hard face becoming strangely tender. You poor dear child, how cruelly you have been treated. But the worst is over. You shall marry my George and be happy. Indeed, said Hale in an acrid, thin voice. I am not to be consulted, then? Mrs. Walker placed Lesbia tenderly back on the sofa and arranged the cushion. Then she turned, hard and harsh once more, to the delinquent. You are not to be consulted about Lesbia, she said calmly, as you are unfit to have anything to do with her. But I have come to consult you about the amethyst cross. I know nothing about it, said Hale, starting and biting his nether lip. That's a lie, said Mrs. Walker fiercely. Lady Charvington found the cross in her husband's library, where he had left it, and thinking that he had bought it for her, placed it in her jewel case. As you stole the case, you must have the cross. Give it to me at once. I want it. I know nothing about it, said Hale, doggedly, and raising his heavy eyes. You are wrong. The cross was not with the jewels. I shall send them back to Lord Charvington tomorrow, as only by my restoring them will he agree not to prosecute. Charvington will show you the case, and you will see that there is no cross amongst them. I quite believe that, said Mrs. Walker scornfully, because you intend to keep it back. What use it is to you, I can't say, as in no way can you obtain my sister's money. Hale scowled and, stretching out his legs, slipped his hands into his pockets. He was perfectly dressed, as usual, in a cool tweed suit, and looked in the half-light a very handsome and presentable man. 
No one would have taken him for a sordid thief. I have not the cross, was all he could say. It was not with the jewels. I don't know where it is. Lord Charbington. If he had it in his library, he must have robbed your cottage to get it, and also must have assaulted your son. I wonder you could stand that, said Hale with a sneer, especially since you have a score against the man as it is. But then you are so forgiving. You will not find me so, said Mrs. Walker caustically. As to Charvington, I believe he was more sinned against than sinning. I shall speak of that when we meet. As it is, my feelings toward him have relented so far as to permit my son to see him tomorrow. What? asked Lesbia, who had sat quietly during this passage of arms. Is George going over to the court? Yes, Lord Charvington sent him a message asking him to call. What he wishes to see him about, I cannot guess. I know, I know, cried the girl joyfully. I told him about George and how George had lost his situation through a false accusation. Lord Charvington said he would see George and get him something to do so that we might marry. Oh, so that's it, is it? said Mrs. Walker, smiling and smoothing the girl's hair. Will you let your son accept favors from Charvington? asked Hale sneeringly. From the man who... That is quite enough, said Mrs. Walker imperiously. I will have an explanation with Lord Charvington. I believe from the bottom of my heart that you were the cause of all the trouble between us. But it strikes me, Mrs. Walker gathered her mantle round her and sat with folded arms like a grim and pitiless fate, that you are nearing the end, Mr. Walter Hale. Destiny has been kind to you so far. She will be kind no longer, I see. Mrs. Walker stared at Hale's twitching face. I see imprisonment. I see death. I see... Oh, damn your witch of Endor rubbish, shouted Hale, jumping to his feet with the perspiration beating his brow, for he was impressed by the absolute conviction with which she spoke. You talk nonsense, infernal nonsense, and see here, you shall not interfere between my daughter and... I will do as I please, and so shall Lesbia, said Mrs. Walker, interrupting the vehement speech. You forget that you are only at large because of Lord Charrington's refusal to prosecute. If you meddle with this marriage as you have done, he will lay you by the heels. Yes, you and your gang. My gang? Hale swallowed something and laughed uneasily. <laughs> My gang? You and Tate and Maud Ellis and Sargent and that miserable opium-smoking brother of his. You are all rogues and thieves and... You can prove nothing of all this, interrupted Hale, now quite livid. George can, said Mrs. Walker, nodding significantly. He has seen the man Canning, whom you call the Shadow, although his real name is Arthur Sargent. Oh, Lesbia rose quickly. Has Mr. Canning seen George? Yes, and he has told much which your precious father would like to be hidden, said Mrs. Walker quietly. Hale laughed and wiped his brow. All the same, he said, wetting his dry lips. I am Lesbia's father, after all. If you disgrace me, you disgrace her, so I am quite safe. That is right. Hide behind a woman's petticoats, said Mrs. Walker bitterly. It was always your custom. Now you come with me, she rose. I have something to say to you, and it must be said out of doors. Lesbia, go into the garden and see George. I'll come, said Hale, promptly enough. I am not afraid of arrest. I know too much. After you, madam, 
and he held the door open mockingly. End of chapter 19